This podcast was recorded on the lands of the Boonwurrung people of the Kulin Nation. The land on which I am lucky enough to raise my son always was and always will be Aboriginal land. This episode is sponsored by Our Pilates, an online platform with over 150 physio-led Pilates classes. Keep listening to learn how you can receive a free month of access to Our Pilates. I definitely felt that age was kind of creeping up on me. I certainly remember being very emotional and sensitive. I feel like a total caricature of that, like, mature age student. We got to travel while he was asleep, but then also he basically slept in a car chair for, like, months of his life. He'd be like, OK, I'm going to bed now, and he'd just, like, get into his car seat. Oh, my God, what have we done to this child? You're, like, always feeling like you did the wrong thing for your child. You're sort of doing both, like, a bit half-assed. If you're an avid consumer of lifestyle and travel media in Australia, there's a fair chance you've poured over the intelligent words of Caroline Clements. As one of the first editorial leaders in the early days of Broadsheet, Caroline helped shape the publication into the authority on Australian city culture that it is today. Since then, she's worked in editorial and production roles with some of the country's biggest brands and magazines before taking her passion for storytelling to a new subject, swimming and its place in Australian culture. Together with her partner Dylan, the author has published the wildly popular Places We Swim, its Sydney version, and has just handed in the manuscript for Places We Swim California. Here, we talk working and parenting from a motorhome on the wide open roads of California, how she makes freelance life with studying work and the couple's approach to 50-50 parenting. I'm Lucinda, this is Ready or Not, and here is the clever and creative Caroline Clements. I know quite a bit about you because I was just a little intern underneath you at Broadsheet when we first met, but for those that don't know you, could you please introduce yourself and your family? We haven't seen each other for a few years, so it's nice to, <laughs> nice to see you again and nice to have a chat about this because it's like the next stage from where we met. I'm Caroline Clements. I'm originally from Melbourne, but I now live in Manly in Sydney with my partner Dylan and our two-year-old son Leo. And I am a writer, an editor and an author. Lucinda and I met at Broadsheet many years ago. So I've worked in editorial roles with different publications. About four years ago, I became freelance before I had uh, a baby. So now I work in a freelance capacity for publications in ed- editorial kind of like production roles. I help produce books, write magazine articles as a travel writer, and also I've written two books about swimming with my partner Dylan, titled Places We Swim and Places We Swim Sydney. And we're now working on our third book at the moment following a big trip we just got back from. Before we get to the new book and to this incredible adventure for seven months with a toddler. Can you take us back to the start of your career and how that's played out over the years? Yeah. So I started working, I guess, in publications and freelance writing early on in my 20s. I did an arts degree and then I did a professional writing course. And then I did some internships and landed a really amazing role at this startup business in Melbourne called Broadsheet, which you know a lot of very talented people started their career at. And is now a huge and booming business that we all love to follow and, and listen along to. So that was like eight years. And then I moved to Sydney and I worked in some other roles um, for different businesses and then, yeah, became freelance at a pretty strange time, actually, which was sort of like just before the pandemic, which was maybe a really silly move, but whatever, whatever happened, it kind of all unfolded and we worked it out. But we went. I went freelance, and my partner Dylan had had been um, working as a freelancer, as a photographer and writer for many years. So then we were both at home. We were both stuck at home, couldn't leave, and it was a bit of a funny time. There wasn't a lot of work for freelancers. I think people were sort of focusing on their their staff and and, and less about hiring kind of additional people to do jobs. So it was a bit of a funny time, but it led to other exciting opportunities and life experiences. And before we get into starting to talk about having a family, can you tell us about your first book, Places We Swim? 
It sits very proudly yes. in my shelf. It's such a beautiful book. How did the idea come to be and how did you actually go about writing a book that I guess required so much of you from a travel and creative process? Place Lucent was an idea that Dylan and I had been, we as a couple travelled a lot and went away for a lot of weekends. He had this like old troop carrier, like an old kind of like army van with like a bed in the back and we were just like, throw a bunch of stuff in and go away for the weekend and we found people a lot of people asking us like oh where are you going like what are you what are you guys up to like we want to do a trip like that we want to do these kind of little getaways and and so I think by default we were sort of just telling our friends about places that we were going and kind of creating little guides and things for them in a sense and then we wanted to take some time off and 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 do a trip and Dylan's actually American we were going overseas to do that his visa came through so we had to stay in the country we both worked for different businesses Dylan actually worked for a gardening company and I'd worked for broadsheet and worked on books for them and and we just kind of we both loved working on books and we bonded over that early in our relationship and I think we said let's pitch an idea to a publisher maybe we can we wanted to travel but we wanted to have a purpose during that travel so we wanted to kind of document it in a way. And swimming is not something, I mean, swimming is something we love, like many Australians, which we've come to discover is like a true passion of almost anyone. We kind of found that as a focus, pitched an idea about swimming around Australia. So we took off on this trip with like no real idea about what we were doing or very little planning, which, you know, at the time was was kind of fine. Like we just flew by the seat of our pants in a sense and yeah, forged our way around the country as a as a as the two the two of us. And and like I mean, I look back on those times and think like that is so possible when there is this two adults traveling. And so, you know, just to reflect on the trip we've just done with Leo, who's two and a half, it's like quite a different approach really, because you do have to plan a lot a lot differently and yeah, it's it's a whole different way to travel. Yeah, we, so we did this big trip and then wrote a book about it and that was Places We Swim. And then a couple of years later, we moved to Sydney and, and honed in on Sydney as like the swimming capital of Australia and, and wrote a book about Sydney too, which is, yeah, also a great, a great read for locals and visitors. It was actually quite amazing timing too, just before the pandemic, because I think a lot of people, or at least I live on the Mornington Peninsula, so maybe particularly down here because we're in you know, super lockdown in Victoria, but it started to become like this thing we did. We go swimming every morning in winter. So it was actually a really beautiful time to bring out these books and then reflect on like, I think everyone became aware of if you live by the coast or if you do love swimming, I think it became an even bigger thing. And it's something that people really started to appreciate. Did you sort of notice that through COVID? Definitely. Yeah. I think that swimming and not only swimming, but things like hiking and running like people just got they had more time to spend on kind of I guess themselves but also in the outdoors and I think it it was so wonderful really like people were really more excited about yeah getting in the water getting in the ocean or going out for a run with like a group of runners and I think all those things were yeah they kind of paved the way for this like new appreciation of the outdoors which I think we somehow kind of like timed well with the release of our books especially the Sydney book like it just sort of came out the year after COVID kind of died down and people were like this is exactly what I want to do with my weekends you know I want to go and find a new swimming spot and you know they weren't alone there's a lot of people who who felt like that yeah it's timing couldn't have been better in that way yeah and I think the momentum's continued like people are back at work and doing their own thing but I still think that there's more like we I swim with the group regularly in Manly called the Bold and the Beautiful and I feel like in the last couple of years, it went from like 30 people each morning to like 150. It's kind yeah. of insane. Like, it's so amazing. I, and I love the, the diversity of the, you know, there's like, there's like teenagers doing it. And then there's like probably people who are 75 and it's incredible. It was so good for my mental health through that time. So when do talks of starting a family come into it for you? And how do you feel about it from that work and career point of view? Yeah, I mean, I was... 35 when I had Leo. So I think I'd been thinking about it for a while and probably been pushing it a bit harder than Dylan. And I think there were two parts to it. I guess because I was freelance, I didn't have that looming like, oh, I have to like change my whole schedule around work and I have to tell the business that I'm doing this thing. I didn't have that, but I definitely felt that age was kind of creeping up on me and that I had to think about it. And certainly a part of that might have been like a lot of my friends had children younger and 
you know, without feeling like you're missing out, you do want to jump on board with that and be a part of it. And I knew that I wanted to have children. So it was in the back of my mind. And you just also never know how long that's going to take. So I think I was, yeah, a big advocate for kind of getting moving on that. And and luckily for us, it happened very fast. Yeah, that's that's kind of where it took us. And how did pregnancy go while you were working? Did you sort of just coast through and you didn't have too many symptoms or was it quite a big and arduous thing for you? I had a really wonderful, lovely pregnancy. I was very lucky. And it was actually this funny time. So I just, I'd been, I'd gone freelance, I think the year before, and then it was COVID and I was pregnant and we were living in Bondi at the time. And Bondi, it was that time when like Bondi was like the hotspot of the country and everyone was like all down on like all these parties or whatever that were happening, which we certainly were not a part of because I was pregnant, (laughs) but whatever. They closed the beaches and we were like living in this tiny little apartment thinking like, what are we doing here? Like we can't even go outside and go to the beach anymore. So we actually that. Wow. Yeah, it was I think it was a few weeks, but like they didn't close beaches in like Cronulla and Manly and other big beaches around the city. It was like they just targeted the area of the eastern beaches and it felt a little bit harsh. You know, I think people have different philosophies about that. So anyway, we decided let's wrap up things and, and maybe move out of the city for a bit. And we sort of went, I guess, like almost as far as the Mornington Peninsula from Melbourne is we went to the central coast, so like it's over an hour north, and worked from there. I mean, we didn't have a lot of work on and we, you know, I was pregnant. So we sort of just like decided let's minimise our costs and live a bit of a simple life for a while and just see how we go. And so we were very lucky that we could do our morning swims and surfs and runs and walks. And it was like this blissful kind of period to be pregnant and you know, we couldn't really do a lot of hanging out with friends anyway, so it didn't matter that we were that far away. And, yeah, we, we kind of had, like, it feels like such a nice time in our relationship actually during COVID because of that. So, yeah, and we actually ended up moving back to Sydney when I had Leo because we wanted to be closer to friends, both our family, Dylan's American, so his family live in the States and mine live in Melbourne. So we wanted to just be closer to our network in the city. But, yeah, we had this little kind of six-month period of living out of the city. We loved it. Mm, that was like COVID on the Mornington Peninsula as well. Mm. Ah, there were so many beautiful parts of it. So I can really yeah. relate to that. Yeah. So then Leo does eventually come into the world. What are those early days of parenting like for you? I think a lot of people will say it's a bit of a blur of like, you know, bliss and love and, and emotions. And I, I certainly remember being very emotional and like, you know, sensitive, but also like kind of just like in love with this little creature and just learning how to do things from scratch like I mean you can't you can't you can read a a thousand books and follow a million people on Instagram and take their advice but you really it's like the ultimate being thrown in the deep end and that's kind of nice because then you find your feet yourself but definitely we were in a bit of a cocoon and it was still you know people were still in a bit of a COVID mindset family couldn't come and see us until I think a month in and that was in, in a way, very nice. Like we didn't have anyone at the hospital and we just sort of had like at least a month of, yeah, kind of just building our little world and uh, this little apartment in Manly and we'd go for walks and then come home and make toasted sandwiches and eat soup for lunch. And it was just like very simple, but we were very focused on being parents and we were both not working and that was, it felt like a really nice time for that. And so what was parental leave like for two people that work for themselves? I'm sure there's lots of benefits and then also some probably more stressful things about finances and that you're not being paid this maternity leave from a business that's giving you four months of full pay off or anything like that. So how did you navigate and plan for that? Yeah, that's a good question. We decided that, and there wasn't really a time limit for me to go back to work, but Dylan had decided he was going to take three months off, which is pretty extensive. Amazing. It was also summer and Christmas and it was like, you know, Leo was born in October. So we had like, we were ramping up to go into this kind of summery period where a lot of people have these like long holidays. So it kind of felt okay. And things were kind of, you know, he could do the odd freelance job here or there, but really he was quite focused on that. And that was really nice for all of us. Yeah. I think we just, we just worked out, you know, I mean, at the start, you don't need a lot. You think you do, but you don't need a lot with a baby. And so we kind of just kept it pretty simple and People would come and visit and, you know, all the kind of things where you just say bring over some food. You know, like we didn't want to have a lot of things and we were living in a small apartment. So my my rule was like if you're coming to visit, you're, you're bringing a meal, which was which which was nice. And I think we kind of just had planned a, a 
our finances and so that we could have that cushy period. You know, we were getting the government parental leave. Yeah, that was kind of that was kind of how we planned it. And then I think, you know, I always had in the back of my mind that I just see how I felt after that kind of Christmas summer period. At the same time that Dylan was going back to work a bit, I sort of thought, well, I'll see how I feel about that too, because we have always had a very even split of childcare between us as parents. And I think that we always said, you know, if I felt like going back to work and doing a job here or there, that was always going to be possible whenever I wanted. I don't think that really happened until at least sort of six months. And we sort of always chipped away at our own business places. We assume we always like had things to do there. So, you know, but you have, you have moments, as you know, you know, you have moments in between naps and this and that, that you can just get a little bit of work and it's nice. It's nice to have a break from all the parenting stuff. It's nice to just sort of have a bit of time out and like check your emails and do all those things. So we always, there was always things that we could do. But yeah, I don't think I fully went sort of back into work until Leo was nine months old and then we started him in some childcare. We put him into a family daycare, which is like a council kind of run childcare that's hosted at someone's house. So they're, they're people that usually have worked in a bigger centre and then they they just do a, you know, they do, it's a one to four ratio. So one carer and four kids and that was nice because I guess in a sense we actually kind of avoided a lot of the big sicknesses that many people experience yourself included I mean there was certainly no avoiding it because suddenly your little bundle of joy that has never really had much exposure to other people is like eating and drinking from the same bowls as other kids and and that's just all part of it and you kind of want them to do that but yeah, it definitely lightened the sickness load, I think, for us. And it was it was like an e- easing into, you know, being with somebody else, which we liked. I think it was two days a week to start and then it's now three and it's been three for since he was about one. And he's still there now and we, it's like a little family to us, especially because we don't have family in Sydney, having our childcare there and the little network of people and parents there is like really pretty nice little community that we have. And how was your mindset before daycare? Were you excited? Were you emotional? Were you all of the above? I was very excited. Yeah, I um, <laughs> I, I was too. <laughs> uh, yeah, I was ready for it. I thought like this is, he's so, like babies are so open-minded, you know, they really are. They're like little chameleons. They're like ready to learn, ready to do stuff. I think that every child, of course, is different. But like, I think at that age, they're really ready. To, they're happy to be with other people. They're, they're like they're so thrilled to be stimulated by other things that like, you know, new toys and other things that you can't possibly offer them at home. You know, I think sometimes they, as they get older, they get like a little bit more timid about going to daycare. But at that age, we felt like Leo was like, he was just as excited as we were in a sense. Like he wanted to be around other babies and he was the youngest there at his childcare at the time. So he was like really like mothered and and looked after by the other kids who were probably only two but you know like they you looked at him like they were they all called him baby leo and so it was really sweet and yeah i definitely thought i was like waiting for that moment of getting really upset about him being there and certainly days are really tough where you know they don't they don't have a good day and you have to go and pick them up early and they're not themselves or they just feel a bit you know off and those days are, are tough, especially if you've, you know, like I was just listening to your daycare diaries recently, how, you know, you got sick and you had to cancel all these things that you're probably very excited about professionally. And those days are, are frustrating, certainly. And and one thing about being in like a family daycare is that like there isn't backup if the, if your daycare, the care is sick. If she's sick, which she was recently, yeah. she had pneumonia, if she's sick, then nobody goes to daycare. So it's a bit it's a bit challenging. It's not like if you're in a bigger center where there's more support and there's a bigger network, you just fall back on other people. So that's something that we had to get our heads around too. But yeah, we've loved it. And I think, you know, we'll progress from there into something bigger for Leo pretty soon. That's a great mindset. And I think it's nice for mums and parents to hear that it's not always the doom and gloom. There's great bits of it. And for me, something I always try and remind myself of is I do just love working and I can't help it. So Ray's probably better not being at my ankles, me on my laptop, being like, one second, one second, I'm coming for yeah. you. He's probably better off being with these educators who are obsessed with them. We'll pick him up. We'll play with him. There's other kids around. So I think it's really nice for people that come on the show to touch on, yeah, it's hard, but there's some really great parts of it. 
Yeah, totally. And I think that like, you know, those moments where you're like looking after your child and I'm sure you've touched on this with other people before, but you, you think, oh, I'll just like quickly shoot off an email or I'll quickly do this. I'll like quickly check that. And while, you know, they're busy like playing with something or reading a book or whatever. And then you're sort of doing both like a bit half-assed, like you're sort of not yes. really focused on one thing or the other. And they know that and you know that. And then the job you do, whatever you're doing on your phone or your computer isn't quite you know, at, at the at the best level. And so you're not doing any of the jobs quite right. And I feel like if you can manage to focus your attention on the thing that you're doing at the time, it's it's beneficial for everyone. You know, if you can do the, if you can focus on your child when you're looking after your child and then take the time when you're not doing that and focus on your work, then I, I feel like those things get done much better. I couldn't agree more. It's possible. Actually, yes, it's so, it's so tricky. And you're just feeling guilty and it and a bit anxious yeah. that whole time too, I think, because you're trying yeah. to rush something to then get to your kid, but then you're like, oh, I've had this great idea. I need to go back over yeah. there. And you're but like, just reminds- wait a second. Can you just hold on? Leave me to just quickly do this one thing yeah. and I'll get this down. And they're like, yeah. what? Yeah. Ray's like, I literally have no idea what you're saying. Can you yeah. just pick me up again, please? Yeah. But it reminds me so much what you just said of what Lael Stone said recently on the show, which was being where you are when you're there mm-hmm. and how even just like 10 minutes of quality time with your kid when you're actually with them, delighting in them, and really present with them, how that means more than what we feel guilty of sometimes where it's like, oh, I've worked all day, so I've hardly seen my child. But it's like, but if you've had a great day of work, you're feeling fulfilled in that way. And then you've got that half an hour of like really great time with them. You feel it. Yeah. You're like, oh, I was really present. I really enjoyed that. You actually made me laugh and we had yep. a great time rather than feeling guilty about, oh, I should have my son or my child with me all the time, but then I'm going to go off and my mind's going to be there and they're going to be down there. So there's a lot exactly. of really good positives. So how did you feel about returning to work? Did you feel that your brain, I guess you'd built up this place as we swim community and you and Dylan do, I guess, similar work where you may have feel, felt tapped into even just what he was doing when he started to return a bit earlier than you. Did that help with your return to work feeling like you were switching that part of your brain on, I guess, bit by bit until you actually did start working again at nine months? Yeah, I guess I had a nice ease back into work, but you certainly do feel like something's happened to your head and that you do need, like, I don't know, you just like, you're in another world. And so it does, and it takes a bit of time to get out of that. Who knows? I might not still be out of that. Yeah, I think definitely have not having like this sudden rush back to work for someone, you know, I, I feel like maybe that was, that was easier on the, there, there wasn't a lot of stress around that. Yeah, so, I, yeah, and I think that's... It wasn't like getting to an office at 9 a.m. on yeah, Tuesday, yeah. the whatever of that month, and that was your, sort of your D-day. It was sort of like this slow build-up to yeah. it. Yeah, and, you know, like I, I listen to, like, the conversations you have with people and people are talking about how they have these, like, stressful situations with, like, pumping and running to a meeting and doing all these things, and that sounds so yeah. tough, and I really sympathise with, with that kind of thing, and I feel, like, quite lucky that I probably could be a little bit more free-flowing with things like that in my situation. I haven't prepared you for this question, so this is a question without notice, but as someone who aspired to always be a writer and has worked in media, it's really hard to build up a freelance career in writing. You obviously worked really hard for it, but how do you think you actually were able to get to the point where you could just be a freelancer in the writing space because not many can. Yeah, that's true. And to be honest, I think I'm still working at it very much so. And like a lot of what I do isn't even writing. A lot of what I do is more kind of like production work and editorial kind of like I oversee things and and kind of consult on stuff like that. And I think it's, I always said that as well. I always said that to people like it's so hard to be a freelancer. You're like always chasing work. You're always like, wondering when an invoice is going to get paid or like when the next job's going to come up. And and actually, I think that my personality type is not geared for that kind of the unknown. Some people are very happy with that, but I'm always wondering what's next and like can't really relax into the time, the downtime when I don't know that there's another job coming. And I've been lucky to have things pretty reg- like regular work, but also certainly don't feel like I have mastered that you know, the art of the freelancer in, by any means. In fact, you know, I, I, I sometimes talk to friends about, you know, like it's actually quite nice just to like have a job that you go to and know exactly what you're doing and love it and know exactly mm. what your hours are. Like for the next six months or 12 months, you know, there's no, there's, there's only the unknown there and that's kind of refreshing. And I actually think my personality is more geared to that kind of thing. 
and this is sort of like a bit off topic, but I've just, I've last year I started doing some study in psychology and like, which would be like a, a very much of a right turn on my career in a way. I mean, I think yeah. they're very complementary actually, but it would be sort of looking at a different kind of approach to my work. And I've enjoyed thinking about something really new as well. And in the early stages, as I'm studying, it's like so nice to to learn and to sit back a bit and to not be always like the person coming up with ideas, pitching things, meeting deadlines, like always like kind of on this, I don't know, endless wheel of work, like sort of just sitting back and like taking something else new in has been a really nice experience for me. I forgot about this because we actually Mm. talked about this in Instagram DMs. Firstly, I guess what, what are you studying and what are your potential aspirations around that? And secondly, how do you find studying as a mother? Because it's quite different to working. Yes. It is. And I think there's like a few elements to this um, answer. And I think I, it's something I've been thinking about doing for a long time. So I'm studying psychology. I, I've done like first year subjects. And I because I've got a degree, I guess you can sort of fast track those things a little bit. But I also have been out of uni for over 10 years, which sounds like a crazy long time. It makes me feel quite old. And then also <laughs> I've, I've never actually studied anything in psychology. So I don't have any kind of like credit to, towards studying that. But in many ways, one would argue that I have life experience, which many of my 18-year-old peers in at uni don't. Oh, have that a, must have be much so interesting. Oh, my God. It is so. I actually love it for the <laughs> social element of it because teenagers are so smart and so savvy. Like, I definitely don't think I was like that when I was their age. But I'm also like that really, like, annoying. You know, like, as a mum, you, you're – and you've, you've definitely talked about this with other mums and on the show – you're more efficient with your time. So when you're going to do your job or your uni or your socialising, whatever it is you're doing, exercise, you're like doing it in this window you've got. And I feel like that is no more. That is so true of my uni experience where I'm like, I go into uni, I go to the lecture, I go to the, you know, the tutorial and I'm like asking all the questions, being really annoying and then I leave. When you're 18 or 19 and you just left school, you're just like you've got time and you don't need to ask questions now. You can just look something up later or ask your friend or I don't know, like, I never, ever, ever asked a question, never would have totally. dared to, whereas now I probably would too. Would. I'd be fine with it. Yeah, you're like, I'm here for this for this hour and I'm getting the most out of it yeah. that I can. And so I feel like a total caricature of that like mature age student. But I also love it. <laughs> I also love it. So I'm like, whatever. Do you know what you hope to potentially do with this or is it just exploratory for now? It's a bit of both. So I do want to take it somewhere. I've loved it so much and so far. So I definitely see... I'm I'm forming a pathway for myself. I don't know exactly wh- where that's leading me just yet. It's very broad at the moment. I'm sort of like a foundation of psychology. But yeah, I mean, I'm definitely very interested in human behaviours. So like I think that I'm not a real maths and science kind of person. I'm, I guess I'm more, it's more about the people and working with people and mental health and stuff like that, which, you know, is very topical. And I'm lucky enough to be able to have time for that and then also carve out time where I can have the work that I do now as well. So mm-hmm. yeah, it's nice having the two different two different streams. So where do you actually fit studying in amongst your actual schedule of working, parenting, trying mm-hmm. to get in a bit of you time on top of yeah. all of that and then studying? So Lyra's in childcare three days a week and then Dylan and I have him one day each, which is a really great split at the moment. So we both have four days of work and then it's, you know, it's nights and weekends as well where possible. I'm actually not back at uni at the moment, but that was the, that was the way we had, had done it last time. And, yeah, it sort of it worked out okay. Like I think, you know, I think studying is one of those things. You can never do enough and you're never doing enough and you never feel like, you, you know, you're doing the bare minimum basically all the time from my experience and maybe that's not everyone's. So, I mean, there could always be more time and there's always like a thousand articles and readings that you haven't done. And But, yeah, I think you, you just carve out what you can and and see where it gets you and hope that that's that's gonna fulfill you and for me at the moment yeah that's really working for me how do you plan your days of work are you going off somewhere and working from there do you sit there from nine to five and work or do you try and Mm. give yourself a bit of flexibility to say go to yoga but then have really efficient six hours of work how do you do it very good question yeah, I guess I like to plan the week, but there's there's like a lot of room for flexibility. So on the days where someone's at home with Leo, then we both Dylan and I would definitely get out of the house. But I, actually, I think we both find that it's more productive to be out of the house anyway. So we I work a lot at 
the local library. Um, and then like, you know, sometimes depending on the kind of work I'm doing, I might sit in a cafe for a couple of hours. Libraries are a great tip too, because it's affordable. Like I always think it'd be great to have somewhere to go to, but I'm like, I can't afford to have it into $200 totally, desk uh, a day or a week or however much that costs. I'm a big advocate for that. I'm actually sitting in a library right now in this really cool <laughs> space, which I only found out about on Friday, which is like this little like soundproof cube. And I've never noticed them yeah, in the you library. Look like you're in a fancy office. Yeah, it's really amazing because you're not allowed to be on the phone in the library, but this is soundproof. So, yeah, anyway, Manly Library, hot tip. hot tip. Love it. I love libraries and there are some very good ones in Sydney. And I think, you know, they're real community spaces and they're, you know, they're for people to come and work and study. And, yeah, so often in libraries, sometimes in cafes, sometimes at home, bit of a mix. And then sometimes, and, and this is rare, but sometimes I might work. If I'm working with a business, there might be the occasion that I go in and work in their office, you know, just to have some FaceTime. Mm. And are you the sort of person that will get your laptop back out after Leo's gone to bed at night or are you strict on having some downtime before bed or how do you work in that capacity, I guess? I'll definitely get my laptop out after Leo's gone to bed, but I also, I'm not going to be sitting up till midnight. I'm a bit of an early riser, so I like to go to bed early. But there's like, there's always, I feel like if you... Leah goes to bed at 7.30. There's always a, feels like there's a window there for something to happen if you need to. Certainly like do a yoga class in the middle of the day or like go for a swim, like, or, you know, whatever that kind of like bit of me time or exercise or do whatever. I definitely can and happy to um, put that into my, my traditional work hours and then find that I can make that time up somewhere else. Mm, And I guess that's the benefit. That's sort of why we would freelance as opposed to going back to exactly. an office job because it gives you those yeah. moments. So it might be at the cost of, you know, an hour of work at 8pm till 9pm, but it allows you to do those things during the day. Yeah. And it also allows you to like pick your child up from childcare at the time they can do, you know, and not feel like rushed, like maybe that's 3.30 or 4 or whatever time it is. And Yeah. yeah. I've actually that's- been thinking a lot about the privilege related to return to work because Cricket Australia paid me three months full pay and then I had the government leave. So it, I'm quite privileged in that also then we could probably afford about two months on my husband's salary and with me mm-hmm. doing a tiny bit of work here and there. But I've been really relaxingly dropping right off to daycare and if he needs to be picked up an hour later, that's okay. I can be there. It's annoying, but it's fine. Whereas some people, as you say, they're dealing with big stress of if my child needs to be picked up, that yeah. ruins my whole work day. And I've just returned yeah. to work. There's the guilt, there's sick days, there's so much to that. So yeah. it's really interesting hearing different perspectives there. If, like me, you're looking for safe, intelligent workouts that you can practice from home during naps and between meetings, our Pilates is offering all Ready or Not listeners a free month of access for their entire online Pilates platform including their new pre- and postnatal Pilates programs. I am loving their prenatal program, which was created by mothers Brooke and Han. Not only will you have access to their full library, you'll also be able to watch educational videos from a range of health professionals, including a dietitian, women's health physio, naturopath, lactation consultant, hypnobirthing consultant and sexologist. To redeem your complimentary month of our Pilates, simply head to their website and enter the code READY OR NOT when you create an account and select their monthly membership option. So now I want you to tell us about your next book, which will be your third Places We Swim book. It also led to an unbelievable seven and a half month trip around USA with a two-ish-year-old. Can you tell us a bit about all of this? Yeah, so we spent the last seven months in the US. My husband's American, my partner's American. I'm going to call him my husband because it feels, I mean, having a child with someone feels like a marriage anyway. I mean, oh, yeah, that's yeah. way more of a marriage than a marriage. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, seven months in the US where the book is actually focused on California. So, we toyed with this idea for a really long time without, not really, a, a while with our publisher, but we could never find the time. We, we, we were just like sort of a bit nervous about like how are we can actually do this trip. This means like leaving our life and packing up and going over and doing this big trip. But then after COVID, Leo hadn't met any of his family. He'd never even met Dylan's mum until last year. So he was nearly two. And that was pretty, like that was pretty wild for us. So we were like, we have to get over there. We have to do a big trip. 
Dylan has family all over the States, everywhere from like Philadelphia to New Mexico and California. So we were like, we're going to do a big trip, but then like, let's, let's do this book. Let's do the research. And so we did seven months in the States. We bought a big 24 foot motor home, which I mean, is almost hard to fathom in Australia because we just don't have cars that big here. And so it was huge by our standards, but by American standards, it was like one of the smaller kind of motorhomes you could you could buy. And it was like a bit of an old funky one. Certainly had its its little funny little details and personality. But it was the it was the best way for us to travel because we were on the move a lot and and had Leo to sort of contain as well. So he was under two when we left and is two and a half now and we got back a month ago. Yes, it was, yeah. I mean, it was also like an amazing family trip, like such an experience, like a real, like such a memorable time for us. I'm sure we'll look back with only fond memories of the trip, and even though they weren't all, you know, there's the ups and downs of traveling with anyone and then working and then, you know, it's your family and it's not all as peachy as the Instagram account makes out. Yeah, we had a lot of fun and we we got to spend a lot of time with Dylan's family, which was really the the main thing there. And so Leo's built some good relationships with people there. And and the next step is that now we're owed uh, a lot of visits back here. So hopefully they come and see us. Amazing. So how did <laughs> yeah. you actually navigate? As you said to me before we started recording, it was partly a work trip, but it was partly also a holiday. How did you navigate working on the book? And then are you, I don't know how you operate, but. Do you like to write about a spot as soon as if you you visited it so that it's fresh in your mind or do you just bring that home with you and make notes as you go and now you're writing? Yeah, so writing on the spot I think would be the um, best way to do this kind of work. It was but. not actually <laughs> the way that it turned out. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so our process is we we kind of do a lot of research before we go on a trip like this and map out like all the places that we want to get to. You know, I mean, this is like how people like plan their holidays as well and it sounds to many people like oh, this dream job and we do feel very lucky that we get to do this work and travel and see the world so we map out our plan for the book and research it and speak to people and yeah talk to i mean we were working with tourism california as well so we kind oh, of wow. had tapped into this this local network of people that knew the state very well so we could lean on that as well and and then when we get over there we attempt to get to all these locations and basically narrow the list down to what ends up being about 60 places in a book out of probably what started as a list of about 300. And I mean, some of these places also like you hear about from someone and then you get there and they're literally like a puddle on the ground. And then other places you you find out from like the person you're swimming next to in like this amazing rock pool in the middle of the Redwood Forest. And they say, you've got to go to this place. And you get there and you're like, I never knew about this. This was a word of mouth recommendation and they're some of the best tips it means you need a bit of room in your schedule so we kind of had like four months dedicated to driving around california in the summer so from like june june july august september and then as it started to get colder in california we went and saw family in new mexico and in philadelphia but we did have work that we needed to come back to and do sort of southern california some of the hot springs and the southern kind of warmer places in january which was when all this rain hit and it was flooded and it was crazy. And during the summer, there was a drought. I mean, California's landscape is very similar to parts of Australia in many ways. And we've, we've come up against these challenges before with fires and floods and droughts. And so it's not that strange to us, but also it's frustrating when you're trying to shoot a book about traveling and, and making yeah, a place look beautiful uh, and get people excited that you can't always access the place. But that's just the nature of Nature, I guess, in many ways. <laughs> and then, you know, so anyway, I think I'm going on and on about this. No, but I love the it. process for us was that we visit a place and and actually with, with Leo, you know, you have to build your day around meal times and nap times and things. So we were actually, it turns out, like quite efficient because we would have to like be somewhere, you know, in the morning and then plan to drive to the next place during his nap, which was great and also terrible in many ways because, you know, we got to travel while he was asleep, but then also he basically slept in a car chair for like months of his life and to, <laughs> to a point where he actually preferred that than getting into bed at the end of the day. He just wanted to <laughs> You've now got seat. like a seat in his cot at so, home. <laughs> totally. Like it's it's kind of crazy. He'd be like, okay, I'm going to bed now. And he'd just like get into his car seat. Oh my God, what have we done to this child? You know, like it's it's one of those things where you're like always feeling like you did the wrong thing for your child. Like you, you always. think, oh, this is going to be the most amazing adventure for us and he's going to learn so much, which of course mm. he did. But then at the time, like 
he's like, I miss my friends and I and I want to go home and I want to do this. And you're like, oh. we're just this poor kid. Like he doesn't have any, you know, he's traveling. You wouldn't even with... really predict that either. Like it, that wouldn't cross my mind if I took Ray away for a year now. Yeah. I wouldn't really think about I, that. Yeah, I, we, didn't, we didn't anticipate it, but then I think he got used to that too. You know, like kids are just such chameleons. They really just like settle into whatever environment is there yeah. for the most part we've found so far with Leo anyway. He... He was like a bit, it was a bit funny to get used to, but then he got into it and then he loved it. And then I think he just thought we lived in a motorhome. And then he was like, we got back to Sydney and he was like, oh, this is kind of <laughs> sort of familiar, like my old life, but I can't really put it into, I can't even work it out because like a quarter of my life I've lived in this this car. Oh, that is so <laughs> good. It was funny. But anyway, sorry, we'd get, so we'd get to a place at the start of the day. We'd shoot it, we'd experience it, and then we'd usually drive in his nap. And then we try and get somewhere else. And then at the end of the day, we try and make very extensive notes, which did not always happen, but that would be the plan. And then, you know, ideally, you know, in, a, in an ideal world, like Dylan and I would have like half written this book by the yeah. time we got back to Australia. But of course, that isn't how it played out because you're very, you're busy, you're traveling, you're planning, and you're also exhausted from the day. And so you don't necessarily have the time that you would to do that and so we now find ourselves which is fine we're writing the manuscript to like now that we're home and we have time and we have space and we have childcare, mm. which we were very excited to get back yeah. to yeah writing's hard too it's one of those things i personally i know there's others that can but i can't force something that won't come, won't come out of me if i'm tired or as you say like there's so many mitigating factors so it's one of those things but what's the plan now so yep. do you have a release date and do you go back to america for that and What's the plan? Yeah, the book comes out in March 2024. So that sounds like a long time away. But the manuscript's due in June this year, 2023. And then there's like all sorts of design and editing and back and forth and shipping and getting the book to largely the States. I mean, this book is really for the American yeah. market, but there will be some available in Australia too. Yeah, so we, yeah, so that'll sort of come out then. And then we also kind of have a plan to update our Australia book. The idea is that we might, yeah, update that. For next for next summer so it's always good to release a book like this kind of for summer because that's when people are doing these kind of adventures but also gifting and yeah know, it's like the perfect christmas gift there have been so many yep. that first year i imagine when those books came out there would have been so mm. many places we swim gifts everywhere i reckon i saw a few of them firsthand it's a great gift so what were some of the highs and lows of traveling with a toddler i guess maybe from that work travel point of view and then that holiday travel point of view too one thing that we had identified after this trip was that we kind of we were like, you know what, next time let's just let's just work when we're working and have a holiday when we're having a holiday and separate those two things because I think it's actually quite challenging to try and do. Like the like we were talking about before where you sort of like if you're your attention is focused on one thing, but you're trying to look after your child, but you're like trying to write an email. I think if you try and doing too too many things at once, it's a bit hard. It's a bit hard to do any of them well. So I think we man we managed it, and it was a lot of fun. And you know, it was the only way that we could write the book and do the travel for such a long time, like we did. But definitely, you know, there are days where you have this whole thing planned out, like you know, you've you've experienced this where. But then, you know, your child's sick or, you know, you. there was one day where I think Leo, like, it might have even been, he was, I think it was his second birthday and we'd, like, decided we were going to go and stay in an Airbnb because we, like, hadn't had a shower for, like, a few, you know, a week or something. <laughs> and, but actually the van was, like, totally luxe. Like, it was, I've never, you know, we don't have van, like, these big cars like this in Australia. And yeah, this thing yeah. had a, we didn't use it, but it had an oven. It had a shower. It was, it was, like, it was, yeah. actually, it was, like, a it tiny was swimming on too. And we so were swimming, fine. <laughs> but we were like, let's let's just Back have a little shower. bit of yeah. But we, yeah, so we were in this Airbnb in this beautiful little town, and then you know Leo like somehow flipped out of his seat and like banged his head, and then we spent like the whole like day in hospital and those kind of things that you can't plan, you know, like we're not even really sure what happened. That's a situation you don't really want to get yourself into in the states because it's not the most fun place to be or yeah, to have to most fun thing to have to pay for over there is yeah. medical bills. Also, you're living in this tiny space with like your family and it's not even just like it's your child, it's also your partner and you're doing everything with them all the time. And I think that we were really looking forward to coming home and having a bit more independence again, you know, like from each other as a couple, from each other as parents and a child. Like I think even Leo could probably attest to it, maybe not verbally, but <laughs> I think he's ready to get back to kids. He wants to go and hang out with 
two, three-year-olds, yeah, not to be yeah. locked up in a car with his parents anymore. But then, you know, there's the the upsell, like you're having these, you're waking up in these amazing places with your family, you know, you're, you're getting to see these incredible locations. California is the most diverse state. You feel like you're going to different countries when you go to different counties. And just having all those moments with your family, like I think it was kind of like the trip of a lifetime and we will never forget it. And so we're lucky that we could take that time out from our life in Australia and do that as a family. Mm, that's amazing. I definitely want to, I mean, my husband's not going to be photographing and writing with me anytime soon, but I definitely want to emulate that in some sort of way at some point in time. So you're now back home. What about the highs and lows of navigating working and parenting in your day-to-day life when you're not living in a motorhome in the US? <laughs> yeah. I mean, we, I think we've got a really nice balance. It feels like because we're lucky that we're both freelance and we can split the childcare very evenly. And that, that's worked really well for us. Dylan was like always a big advocate for being like having an equal share in, in looking after Leo. And, and, and then also because we're available, we, you know, if someone needs to change something in their schedule, we can do that. But I think it's also been something that we both really like to make time for is having time to do the things that we want to do as as individuals like go and see friends by ourselves and go and go for a swim with the swimming crew or like go and do a yoga class like you said you know doing those things like we've always liked to do those things together and separately and I think making being able to make time for that amongst work and and parenting really puts certainly me I think Dylan as well in like a better mindset for for work so yeah I think we're we've We've been lucky to be able to manage all those things in our work yeah, week. Yeah, I think you've nailed that one. So this idea of having it all has been coming up lately. I've just seen it a lot on Instagram. One of my guests, Danica Johnston, touched on it a lot. And I don't think we can really have it all. We can sort of create our own versions of what having it all means to us. But the idea that we can have everything 100% perfect at all times doesn't exist. What do you think about that? And what's your version of trying to have your version of all? Well, I think off the back of just that last kind of sentiment, having it all, like I said, it's different for everyone, but I think being able to balance all those things, being able to separate work and, you know, your other pursuits, the other things you want to do, maybe it's you want to be in a book club and having time to read or it's going and having dinner with your friends. Like I think being able to create time for those other moments outside of being a parent and outside of being a working parent are really important. And so that that to me, having having time, I think time is a luxury. And also I, I think that is having it all, having having time for all those elements is, is really having it all. So if you could change one thing for working parents in Australia, what would it be? I think, I mean, we have a pretty... We're on a pretty good tra- trajectory in Australia, but I, I think I think parental leave is, is still a big one. Like I, I talk to friends who are from places like Germany and Sweden and the, the parental leave there is I think they get paid parental leave for like a year in some of those countries like Bulgaria, Norway, Greece. Like they have like 12 months plus. And I think that that should be what we're working towards in Australia too. Yeah. Like we get 18 weeks of paid parental leave and I mean it's, it, it feels like we should be celebrating that role because what what women and parents, fathers as well, are choosing to do is put their the time that they otherwise work into being a parent and that's a job too and so it should be paid. So I think that there's a bit of work for us to do there in Australia with parental leave. And I know you asked for one thing, but another one, and this is like I don't know quite as much about this and I'm not really in the education realm yet, like, Leo's young, he's at two and a half, he's at daycare, but we've started to think about education. And even with daycare, I mean, it's very expensive in Australia. It's very hard to get into um, daycare in certain places, many places. And that means that parents can't necessarily go back to work in the capacity they want to. They can't choose the things they want to have in their lives and it's expensive. So it means like people maybe consider not going back to work because maybe it's more affordable for them to be at home with their child. And so I think that like, Having more freedom in, in that for people is, is like always a benefit. And then on the education thing, certainly I've, I've heard that in Germany and places in Europe, you, you know, education is much more affordable on the whole. And so I just think that all kind of ties into 
you know, having kids and, and thinking about like what their life is like in the early years, because as a parent, like that's a, it's a really big part of planning is thinking about like their education. It's it's a bit of a hard path. Like there are so many options, but like many of them are out of reach for people here in Australia. Mm. So I just think that there could be some kind of way that we can make that those choices easier and, and more achievable. And certainly I think the parental leave one is, is a big one. And on the parental leave thing too, they're all those countries with those paid years or more off mm. are the happiest places in the world to be a parent. It's like, go figure. And yeah. happy parents actually contribute better to the economy. So yeah. I mean, people are probably sick of hearing me say this on the podcast, but I'm like, if you don't even care about our happiness, you should at least care about capitalism and the economy. And it right. still works out better for you <laughs> if you look exactly. after us. So I think that's such a huge one. So, Cece, if people want to find you or your work online, where should they go? Well, if you would like to buy a Places We Swim book, you can buy it at many good bookstores around the country, but also at placeswiswim.com. And then we also are constantly, you know, talking about our swimming pursuits and and documenting swimming around Australia and also California now on um, Instagram at Places We Swim. So always check that out if you want some travel inspiration. Yeah, it's beautiful, Paige. I highly recommend following it. I've absolutely loved hearing your story, especially motoring around America with the toddler. Very brave, and I can't wait to see the fruits of that labour, which will be out next year. Thank you so much for being here. Thanks for listening to Ready or Not. If you liked the show, please tell your friends, subscribe, or write a review. You can also find us on Instagram at readyornot.pod. That's it for today. We'll see you next time.